Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Adrian Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Justin Robert Young. Hello. The Atomic Nucleus, that is this podcast, Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello, Nucleus Mode activated. <laughs> Beginning rotation. Reason, vision, cannot decide. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so uh, it's becoming challenging to find stories involving weird stuff that don't involve anything I directly work with, but I have a cool one for you. Okay. Can, can we take a moment to celebrate that that was a true statement that you just said? That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the, the, the challenge of my job is that, it's, as you know, I work for OpenAI. I'm the science communicator. I mean, that's my second job. My primary job is here as your host for Weird Things mm-hmm. among the other hosts. Um, and I do, I'm on the comms team, the communications team, which means that you know, I, I get a comment less on the stories being made outside. I don't want to comment outside of like official means or whatever. And so that mm. means that much more muted Andrew Maine about stuff because of that. And yeah. so it's, 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 it's great to be up close. It's the other part is that I normally have opinions about things and that I don't really want to share them yeah. lest they be misconstrued as. Uh, the good news is official, that official doctrine. There, there's no yeah. shortage of things that are weird though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, yeah, and part of it's hard too because you get like somebody says something or whatever, and you're like, "Wow, I could point out this one very obvious thing that would probably pop that balloon," but that's not my role. Uh, we're, we're not allowed to pop the balloons, Andrew. I don't know if you saw some of the other videos no, out there. Unless we're, we're willing to spend four hundred thousand dollars on a Stinger missile, which we don't have at the moment. No. Yeah, we need Patreon.com. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you know my balloon adventure? I told you. Did I tell you my balloon story on here well, before? I, I, I know one of your balloon adventures, and I believe it was uh, somehow involved with your television show on A and E. There, I had completely forgot about that one. That was the second time that involved magic in a balloon, um, which I was telling this other story, and I completely forgot that. But uh, for A and E, I did a thing where I put a guy's motorcycle inside of a balloon, and then we let it float in the air and shot it with a crossbow, and it blew up. I remember that. Um, that was good. That, good. This, that guy was mad. Hydrogen, hydrogen. Among the most yeah. normal sentences ever spoken yeah. on this program, he didn't like that at all. And 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 you watch it, and it's 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 not choppy TV style, but I assure you, he had no idea what was going on, <laughs> and he was very very frustrated and very confused because he sees his balloon, his motorcycle floating inside of a balloon, and then it blows up. <laughs> it blows up. We had we was filled with hydrogen too, which is awesome. Awesome. And we, it was just, I so got it. I have a kids get into TV because they let you do things like build stormtrooper armor to play with sharks or like play with crossbows and stuff and all that. Uh, you know, Watch Brian's made like a weekly show of it. So, <laughs> so I was, it's no. tough for us. We just had an irresponsible video go out. <laughs> so, my first years ago. James Randi, who we all we all know, uh, when he was approached by Nova to do a documentary, uh, they were doing a show called Nova Secret of the Psychics, which is really to this day still, I think one of the best you know coverages of the psychics and whatnot and Randi's work in that world. 
they were looking at different segments to do. And Randy asked me and my buddy, Ken Montgomery, if we had an idea. And I said, we could do one of UFOs. What if we fake a UFO? So he went to Nova and he got a budget for this. And he got a budget for me and Ken to fake a UFO. Now, we're like 19. And so, you know, we're not, you know, we come up with the best thing our 19-year-old brains can consider. So what we do is we get a giant, like one of these big, giant, like six-foot white balloons in a helium tank. And then a bunch of light sticks that you snap and put them inside the, you know, they glow. So we took the balloon, filled it up, and then put the light sticks inside of there and then tied it to a fishing line that was attached to a fishing pole. We wanted kind of a clear staging ground. So we went over to the, our middle school nearest was a Seminole middle school. And we go to the baseball field there at night and we let the balloon out on the line. And it's a Florida night where it means kind of a low cloud cover, like just thick cloud cover. And the balloon goes up and it hovers just below the clouds. And because of the light sticks rolling inside of it, it was a calm, windy, calm night. The balloon's just bobbing gently and you hear this. Oh, as they roll holy. around. Oh, wow. It was a very eerie thing. Now this is the 90s, early 90s. So we're curious as anybody notices. So we leave the fishing pole there with a line going up there. We get into a car and we start driving around neighborhoods and we see people outside. We see people like looking up. It was kind of a test to see if this thing was going to work, you know, because it'd be a cool thing to then come back and get a camera crew to sort of see. But we wanted to see people were looking up and they were and people were you know, curious and seeing, oh, what is that? They weren't like fearful. It was just like, what the hell yeah. is that kind of approach, right? And then, you know, we go up to a payphone and, you know, we, we go to a movie theater nearby where we worked, uh, my Ken had worked and we go there and we can see it there and we call on a payphone. Hey, have you heard about to a radio station? Hey, have you heard about this weird thing floating over plantation? Like, oh, that's, and we heard these. Are, yeah, somebody else called in about that. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so we go back to the baseball field or watching this. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm like we could see like pulling this sort of stunt off maybe in scale. And then Ken... Ken looks and he sees something in the distance and he taps me. We turn and there was a moment, there was a moment of a few seconds of like a close encounters moment because we see a bright light coming towards us, right? And we're like, have we made contact? Did, and then we were like, have yeah. the mysterious alien like sound of yes, it did. And we're like, oh, shoot. And there's a spotlight going through. We're like, this is like the Broward Sheriff's Office helicopter coming, yeah. right? And then we're like, what do we do? We're in this middle of this baseball field, and we got a fishing pole with a fishing line going to this thing. And then like, I'm like, got the, got it, got it, got it. So we're like trying to snap the fishing line. We snap the fishing line, and you see the balloon go, boo, 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 boo. and then the helicopter comes in, right as the balloon drifted up into the clouds. And so, we go run and we hide in the dugout and we're afraid that like police are going to show up or something's going to yeah. happen because of this. Oh my so. gosh. They definitely, well, in the nineties, I don't know about like zoom lenses. Nowadays, if you did that, they would definitely could have tracked you and would have made it on the news. I don't know that they, 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 they there's a thing in the sky and there was lots of area, Bryce, before you try to incriminate me and give them a case <laughs> by which to yeah. prosecute. Uh oh. It was, and, and I, I was saying this yesterday, I was telling some friends, I said, yeah, I said, maybe realize that like, had I been one person by myself, I would be a lone nut job. But when a friend's involved, then it's a prank. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's one of the things that we brought up in, in the context of crop circles in the Scam Sasquatch and the Supernatural lecture. We were visiting questions like, uh, uh, why on earth would somebody go out of their way to do a crop circle and then not admit it was them. Uh, can anybody think of a reason? Mm. 
because what it's the, a literal crime oh. to, yeah, to yeah, ruin exactly. somebody. Oh, <laughs> oh, interesting. Is that new? Is that a new one? I don't remember that one. But there's also another factor too is I may or may not have participated in hijinks as we call them that have still <laughs> talked about and people know of that I will never tell anybody I was involved in because it's so much fun to have people go you know what we, we and we never knew and you can sometimes be in a room and hear it told and go yeah <laughs> we'll never know uh there was for years remember justin the bathroom bandits uh the bathroom yeah. bandits those no, are the people ahead. that kept stealing all those bathrooms i got your toilet puck. no <laughs> the opposite it was some groups we don't know who it was they were dropping off like it tore they drop every year they drop off a porta potty at the city hall Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was for years. So, like, uh, um, what was I think the, the outhouse bandits, maybe that's what they call because they would take like a porta potty and it would show up out there. And I have theories on who may actually been behind this, but it was like for 18 years, the outhouse bandits. Just uh, once a year, they would just drop the off outhouse a outhouse gang. Uh, they'd drop off a, a, toy, a, a porta john at, at City Hall. Yeah, it was outhouse gang, was every Halloween. If you look up the outhouse oh. gang, I went through bathroom boundaries to outhouse gang, but close. Uh, you can see the outhouse gang. And, and it was something for like over a decade. Whenever there's trouble, we're there on the double. We're the outhouse gang. For the 82nd, no, it's gone on for 82 years. 82 wow. years. Oh, Jesus. Outhouse gang. Every year since 1956 in Halloween. Wow. That's uh, that's dedication to the craft. That's commitment to the bit. That's commitment to the bit. Uh, technically, it's dedication to the crap. <laughs> I, I have a theory. That was I want to hear your theories. About why they do it? Well, and who and oh, why? And, I mean, who? Well, I mean, the immediate <laughs> guess is like, oh, we're going to flush out the city hall. Flush well, them me, out. Well, okay, let me get this right. I got. Let me get my facts right here. Hollandale, Florida. For the 36th year, police have issued an alert for the city's notorious outhouse gang. As they have every year since 1956, the gang deposited an outhouse on the steps of the Hollandale Post Office under the cover of Halloween Darkness. Halloween darkness, a special darkness, by the way. <laughs> this time it had a new twist. The custom one-story high John was painted and shaped to look like the White House and included three styles labeled for each of the three presidential candidates. George Bush, Bill Clinton, and Ross Perot. <laughs> they struck again, police spokeswoman Marcia Sandler sighed Monday. It was just another time the Hollandale Police Department got there a little too late. You thought this year they wouldn't do it because of the Breeders' Cup horse race was keeping everybody so busy. But there it was, a three-hole porta potty for Bush, Clinton, and Perot. Sandler said, we thought we had a suspect whose turnout, not the person we're looking for. She said, tongue in cheek, adding that the alert was still out. Dottie Ross, a 26-year administrative employee of the police department, said she was mildly surprised when the outhouse was dropped off this year because of the changing population in the city, which is located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. She said she was afraid the coal ports may have moved away. I was kind of surprised. I thought nobody would bother. But doggone, there it was. She said, someone just enjoys continuing the prank. This was a big one. It went up to almost the porch-type roof of the post office. Did, Ross said she's sure the culprits are not the same people who began the potty prank in 1950s, but maybe relatives. Do, do you think, like, like inside the police station, this is like Christmas? <laughs> like, like will, will they come this year? I think much like a, a household waiting for Santa Claus, uh, it might be somebody inside the police department that is making the magic happen. <laughs> I, I think so. I think it's much like, man, every graduation, some people come into our high school and they, they toilet paper and prank the place. 
Why why are high school near graduation? And why do they mention the seniors? Why does this keep happening to us? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think this is, I don't think that the, the police department would be giving the kind of flowery quotes that they would be doing unless it was something inside that that's like a little inside joke or a rookie thing or something like that. Well, uh, well, and especially a very politically perfectly balanced prank in which all three major candidates are mentioned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, there's like no photos of this. I found one photo photos, yeah. on eBay of someone, uh, but otherwise no one has documented this other than these news articles over the past 40, 50 years. Um, wow. That's a great prank. That's a great prank. That's, a, that's pretty wholesome. It's like you just a little bit of just a little bit of just a little bit of nonsense. Do, Let's goof off a do, bit. do you think that society, uh, 21st century society is is lacking in good high effort well, pranks? Wait, can you by the way, hold on. Bryce, describe have you looked at the po- the, the the photo by the way? Uh this fo- not very much. It's it's uh, labeled to it's labeled Broward 1987 outhouse gang drop off outhouse. Now Is look that- at there's actually a photo of the outhouse gang in the action. Look at this. They're all wearing masks. Yeah. Oh yeah. And this is yeah. apparently the the papal outhouse. There's a truck. There's a whole gang there. Is somebody wearing this a luchador is the, mask? They're Lucha literally the delivering yeah. the outhouse. Oh wow. Notice there's a guy's got a pager. He's a cop. A pager. <laughs> He's papal pooper. These are cops. How did we survive yeah. 58 no, years? No, they're cops. Time? Yeah. Oh. No, they're all, they're all, they have what I would describe as cop physique. It's like they are. <laughs> yeah, because there's a news crew literally with a guy with a, like a beta cam on his shoulder capturing them in the act. Yet, why are there no police here to stop this? <laughs> exactly. All the cops are at the donut shops. Clark Kent, <laughs> you're never around when Superman's here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, Okay. Huh. Uh, uh, what what kind of pranks would you like to see nowadays that that uh, nowadays the path to prankdom is is much shorter because you would uh, as as maybe you just steal all the hypothetically money. Justin and I have done uh, uh just do them online. That's that's easier. What high effort pranks are we missing? Like it used to be you would bother to dress up as a Sasquatch to fake a Sasquatch eight millimeter movie Mm-mm. well remember the, the people that were putting this this the steel the 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 steel cylinders or oh, columns yeah. that is a good one uh, uh, the, uh, the weird cylinders uh showing up uh, on the map all over the world yeah well i mean but also like, like at what point do you cross the line from prank to performance art because i, I would look at that as as classic kind of performance art yeah oh. and and i guess uh uh Tipping off my my pick for this week, uh, uh, you know your your Borat style investigations that are actually performed under the guise of a character, and so on. Yeah, I mean, right now yeah. modern pranks are prank videos or prank fake fake They're prank so skits. They're so low effort. It makes me sad. Oh yeah, that's how yeah, much they we have love to them. produce on a on a uh, a YouTube scale, right? Like, it, well, that was you know it, the balloon thing we did the ufo thing and what somebody there mentioned like yeah that's like that was an outlier thing to do back in the day now that's how you get on youtube like that's the norm is yeah 
Right. I guess outside of like making a video that fools people, because there's been so much evolution with that between uh, deep fakes and every, everything else, CG and, and even filmmaking techniques over the years. Outside of that, it would probably be something very local, right? Something where it would take a while for the message to get out of maybe your city. Or the reverse, very remote. Like uh, uh, one of the, it's not really a prank. I believe it was called an art installation. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of performance art ever, uh, I had the opportunity to experience live as uh, we traveled down the West Texas highways at 85 miles an hour. Um, I, I got to see my friend CJ Johnson lose his mind at a Prada store in the middle of the desert. Oh yeah. Um, and it, we've talked about this before. Um, like that, that's, that's about as good as it gets. That's so much effort and no credit to anyone or, or, or misdirected credit to, uh, an institution who had nothing to do with it. Hmm. So you're saying there was no Prada store. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it definitely was not. And uh, they were not open, <laughs> but, but yeah, boy, sure. it was like, like, like as a fan of surrealism, was it surreal to be one hour from anything, uh, either direction and at 85 miles an hour encounter a Prada store <laughs> and then just say, what just happened? Yeah, I guess like that sort of experiential thing. And and then like how different is that from like a pop-up, right? Are, are, how different are we describing a pop-up Instagram moment versus, uh, you know, a taping of Impractical Jokers or Improv Everywhere, you know? Yeah. What, how do we tread the line between performance and prank? Maybe the Prada store has a special place in my heart because I can think of absolutely no way that could be monetized and if it was monetized it would be monetized by prada who had nothing to do with it like that seems yeah. like pretty pure art in my book so there i would agree prada gotcha where are your lights now marfa i can make another patreon.com slash weird things is where you can go to support this show patreon.com slash weird things keep us loud live and independent each and every week you also get our after things show a little bit earlier everybody else come on in the water's fine patreon.com slash weird things come on in the water's fine next story up on the docket and I want to see how you guys feel about this is an idea for not enough people travel by rail. You know, we need to have people, more people get into it. Mm. Okay. I'm going to say right now, I, can I say right now, I saved this before the recent events I was and about I really to say, regret this topic. Sounds like somebody's getting ready to mention a city. No, 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 not. Uh, actually, this was an article I'd saved a while ago. And so much to the, the uh, sympathies to the people dealing with the current rail incidents have been happening, which are frustrating. But this was totally chosen. Sure. Algorithmically, sure. way before. Britain had an idea of how to get more people onto trains. And this was the 1949 British Rail had a really good idea. Instead of a buffet car or a restaurant, they created the tavern car, a full pub on wheels with like a mock two-door okay. appearance, fake brick walls and outside and even a pub sign on the door. And each pub on each train had names like the White Horse, Salutations, the Jolly Tar, the Dolphin. 
I mean, look at British okay. Rail. Check this out. Well, no, but uh, is that uncommon? I mean, they serve alcohol on trains, don't they? No, no, take no. A, but this is a take theme. a look this at is this an experience. Yeah, this is there's there's a, a, a an experiential quality to this. Ooh, wait a minute, uh, Justin. Just throwing this out there. Um, how much would you like for there to be an Epcot train that goes coast to coast? And every train car is themed around a different country on the planet. I, mean, I think that there is certainly room for a, a kind of a, a full production kind of like awareness on on a train. Really, the the only thing that would make it unfeasible is the fact that you know getting rail access is 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 is, is a pain in the butt. But I would I would be for it in general. I, I'd be for just like a nice ass trip from one place to the other. Like if it was on a really cool train and the accommodations were cool. They definitely do go out of their way to make it look um, pub aestheticized, right? With the, yes. the wood paneling, kind of the uh, thatched, the cottage sort of roof on the top and uh, Bryce, a bar. Would, would it be equally accurate to say they go out of their way to make it look like you're not on a train? Yes. <laughs> they make it look like you're in a very, very tiny restaurant. Uh, I guess it would sound like a train, probably. I saw a, 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 a Reddit appears to be like the last public forum that I'm willing to tolerate, um, uh, uh, where you can write complete sentences, uh, however many characters you want. And uh, uh, what one of the things that uh, uh, some debate that I saw was uh, an experienced train traveler saying that trains are pretty much the worst of all worlds. It's uh, all the pains of the ticketing of flights with none of the speed of flights and also more of the congestion, uh, or, uh, congestion of traffic uh, that you associate with cars. Um, having said all of that, I don't know. I, I, I do. I, I wish I could find an excuse to get on a GD train. There's some ideas. Uh, Imagine if they did a Hogwarts Express that went cross, cross country. Yeah. Okay. I could see that a lot of people would do that, right? I mean, yeah. Harry Potter's huge. But I'm going to throw you another idea. How about like for airplane travel, catering to a particular audience? And I'm talking about an airplane flight that ran for over a decade. Look up the Chicago Executive. Hmm. Chicago executive was while it, I look this up. Do you guys want to guess what it might? Be? Yeah, uh, was it particularly fast or was it? No, you know what? I'll bet it was particularly slow and opulent. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was steaks, steaks and bourbon. Well, and okay. It had cigar pipe smoking was yeah. permitted. Steak dinner was actually a feature. Relaxing atmosphere yep. and pressurized DC six mainliners and ten other DC six stops. There was one other feature about it. It was called a club in the sky, by the way, by United Airlines, their club in the sky. What care what, to guess what the other feature was? What year was this? This was from the like 19, all the way to like 1970, I think. Okay. Yeah. So you're already smoking in the air. Probably, probably not weed. Um no. gambling? Did they gamble? They gambled. No, they didn't gamble. No, I think this is like like Playboy Club like stuff. There were there were ladies. Well, no, wrong. 
Uh, oh, it my goodness. Called... Oh, I see it. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'd like to show you the advertisement for the United Airlines, the Chicago executive. Uh, and if, you, if, if half of our audience hadn't heard of it, it's for men only, which might be why. <laughs> You couldn't get it. The okay. APL Club was, in the Sky, nonstop to Chicago for men only. Was was it a brothel in the sky? No, no, no. It was just it was just flying chauvinism. Just for the guys. It was just you know, and, yeah. and and that that's a thing to keep in mind. 1970. That's within our parents' lifetimes, you know, and some of our friends' lifetimes. That is a period of time that's still real where it was perfectly okay to say. Yeah, this airplane flight, sorry, ladies, it's for men only. Which, wow. when you think about, like, ah, you know, we've, we've come a long ways. Well, it's pretty recent, you know, segregated drinking fountains at 10 years earlier. Like, like uh, that sting lasts. That, that, I guess this is okay attitude. So, yeah, for, for seven, men only. 17 years. Sorry, a uh, 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 cis white male here. Um, who books a flight like like I don't want those girls anywhere near me? Uh, okay, I think I think the idea is the staff is probably women, especially in that era. Uh, this is for men only. Is code for no wives, right? Uh, I've got some info here. Andrew, have you have you got points here that you want to hit? I found something interesting. What, do I have points from flying on the airline? What are you trying to accuse me of, Bryce? What? <laughs> Apparently. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, listen, it wasn't within recent history, though temperance movement did ban alcohol. So there was this attitude of like, listen, if our wives show yeah. up, the fun is gone. They had uh, a last minute massage service. <laughs> last minute uh, making a call on behalf of the passenger back to the office pressure um, oh oh message like okay message service not massage message service, service. Okay. message <laughs> service okay, okay. there were people <laughs> calling right was, now was, Bryce was, was to that try that to a book bit, a flight was that a genuine mistake it makes the teletype part of the sentence make a lot more sense now <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, it was also co-branded with the Wall Street Journal at one point um wow uh, is this? I mean, like they sh is this? Is this they like show a it? Yeah, I mean, they have ads like a club in the sky for men only, and they see some dudes like sitting there playing cards, drinking beers, and smiling as the as the woman comes and brings them their coffee. That's and like, they market it like a uh, uh, like a commute. You know, we leave at five p.m. and you get to Chicago at eight. You know, eight thirty. Um. They certainly make it seem like you could. Uh, so, uh, if, if, if I'm reading between the lines, uh, this seems to me, if I was somebody uh, unhappy with my home life, this would be a plausibly deniable place to engage in conspiracies, to cheat on my family. <laughs> and I don't to, think it's make... that. I really, I really don't think that it's that. I think that. I think that. It's you, the photos sell you on the idea. You just, you, it's if you're, if you have to fly back and forth between these cities and it's primarily men having to do this anyways, let's sell them on the idea that we're going to make this a fun bar. This is going to be a men's hangout. Yeah. It's going to be a guys' men's club. So uh, I guess the hidden benefit is friends 
uh, would you like friends? Uh, here's a clubhouse. Well, no, no, no. no what, what, what they want is business expenditures, right? So yes. you and the team, you and the sales team, you got to go from Chicago to New York for a meeting on Friday morning. Okay, well, let's make sure that our meeting wraps up by, you know, it's a 10 o'clock meeting. Five. Let's wrap it up by three. We got to be at the airport by five. And then that flight back, the commute back is from five to eight. And let's say theoretically that the stewardesses, that's their last flight of the day. And maybe, you know, hey, let's all go from here to another bar. Who knows, right? Like, like, like whether or not that's an element of it. But I do think that it was gilded toward the idea of, hey, the company's paying anyway. They got to get us from here to there. Let's, let's do that. It was for Chicago industry that was going to New York, probably for advertising. Yeah, I mean, there. I can definitely see how you could pitch this as like, hey, this is my travel and like food expense because there's a meal on here. Yeah. There's a cigar on here. Has the I'll, word executive in it. Right. Uh, I could totally see it. I could see it both ways as like, this could be a perk for the salesman who we have to send to Chicago once a month. Um, and maybe he can wet his beak a little bit at the same time. Wait, wait, wait where, where did it end? Did it end in New York or end in Chicago? Uh, it, it was back and forth. You could, you like, you, if, for example, here you would get a, you would get a return flight um, back to New York. So you could go New York oh, to okay. Chicago. So you were going, yeah. Yeah. I was just curious as where, who they were, who they were marketing it to. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, that that's the idea is it's, and, and I think what happened to air travel is it got commoditized and, and it got cheap enough that people uh, from, uh, you know, all classes could could uh, interact with it. And so that was where the money was. But who knows? I mean, I, I still think that there's a possibility that we could see specialized flights like this. There's no reason why it, it, it does not uh, uh, that it, it has fallen out of favor. I think it's just the economic incentive. No reason. Uh, well, yeah, no reason I, I was about to say, like, like if we are going to, th there, there is one elephant well, in the room, and yeah, that's not the this theme, the four men only. What we replace four men only with for the masculine? Would would you say that? I mean, I, I could still see probably not cigar smoke and steaks, right? But I could definitely see. Well, I guess now the idea of like personal and work is frowned upon in a way that it was not then. Like the, the the idea of you came and you worked at a company and you were there and this was kind of your work family and these were your work brothers. That was more of a thing then. Now we, we preach more of a work life. Well, and, and, and now we sort of are deconstructing it, watching, you know, severance on Apple TV plus, you know, the, the idea of a, of a work and, and home life being totally separate things. Yeah. I mean, and, and also the idea of ex company expenditures being on stuff that is fun is its own battle in a way that it probably wasn't then. Uh, from the chat, what about Femboy Delta? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mask United. I'll tell you what, they they, they love to fly. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll just uh, take a pass on that. I do have one more story that's uh, oh. kind of uh, not amusing, but oh, yeah, that happened. Oh. You hear about the bomb that went off in Yarmouth, England? England. A bomb? No. A, a bomb was found and exploded on was a week ago Avatar on Friday. <laughs> no, that's not a bomb, Brian. Oh, okay. Money. It's a blockbuster. Critical success. Sorry. Okay. Yeah.
bomb was uh, discovered and no big destroyed. Uh, that's a pretty big deal uh pretty big deal finding a bomb and exploding it um uh uh pretty some notable bombs over history um uh, uh oh the uh, uh, the moab the mother of all bombs the uh, <laughs> well they know <laughs> they know who made the bomb by the way who made the bomb was it james cameron no not in his life, says. man. Not mm-hmm. a single one. I want to, you don't miss. Uh, Abyss. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, true lies. So, uh, so uh, no, true lies made money. Made big money. Oh, yeah. yeah. about the bomb. So, uh, turns out a fascist group made it. Uh oh. Oh, wow. Wait a minute. Yeah. Are you saying a fascist group made a bomb that was discovered in England? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Whoops. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you say, why are you saying whoops? This is, this is a guessing game. That because I, because I, I don't know what comes next. <laughs> no, I know. I don't want to say anything. I don't know what this means. A fascist group bomb in England. Yeah. Every joke I want to make will get me sued to death. Is it not the sued? IRA? Just cancel. <laughs> no. Although there may have been a collaboration early on between them. Could it have been ISIL? Was it the Nazis? Was it the Nazis? It was the Nazis. It's a World War II bomb left over. Ah, hey. <laughs> oh, thank God. Just say fascist wow. again. Thank God. Thank it was just goodness the it was the Nazis. Thank- <laughs> oh. Put that quote on his tombstone. Thank God it was the Nazis. Thank Bryce God. Castillo. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> what? Apparently, they found a World War II era bomb. They find this periodically. This happens. I have a friend that, like, in Germany, they found like something in Berlin. There was one they found. Like, hey, these gifts keep on giving. Wow. Uh, now, uh, I'm noticing the word un- "unplanned detonation." Um, that, that seems that seems telling about yeah. the quality of the destruction here. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, I, I oh I believe we've got a clip here from our. Friends at CBS, possibly. Thank uh, you. CBS, possibly. It's my favorite version of CBS. <laughs> One day we might have the news. Or maybe not. Maybe we'll watch it on someone else's website. CSI um, Neverland. <laughs> oh. Now, this happens a lot, right? Like, unexploded ordinances uh, litter. Uh, goo! <laughs> and they, they do litter goo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all over. <laughs> Look at this. That's a huge explosion. That's a big bomb, my guy. That's stuff like a 40-foot oh. plume. Who do they think they are? LAPD blowing up some <laughs> illegal fireworks? <laughs> wow. We all saw that one too, right? I did not, but I would love to. Oh, LAPD. So they found a house that was make- in a neighborhood that was making fireworks illegally. And, and so- the bomb squad shows up. And they bring their bomb disposal. Like a bomb disposal basically is it's an open-ended cannon where you just have a big, big iron, whatever, cauldron. You put it in, just let it blow straight up. They pack in this full, and some other person who's there is like an expert, but not necessarily in the bomb squad, but is like, I think you're packing it too tight. We got this, sir. I think you're packing it too tight. We got this, sir. Flashback to a friend of the family who was uh, Walt Omanoffer back when they decided to blow up that whale on the beach and Walt did demolitions yep. in the army is like, 
I think you're doing this wrong. We got this, sir. And he got paid back by whale blubber falling on his brand new car. Uh, so <laughs> this 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 instance is sad because, uh, spoiler alert, they packed it too much. It went off, exploded basically the bomb disposal unit, shattered houses and windows all around. And Whoa. I don't even know if the people have still been able to move back into some of their houses right now. So, so they created a literal uh, a dumpster-sized bomb. Yeah, what? Uh, that's wild. And, and, Holy and, oh, moly, Jolie! What did I just see? I th- oh, and there was a car right now. Okay, whoa. Uh, so I thought I thought this might not be the right one because it looked like there's like a semi truck over top of it, but that's the device, I'm sure. To yeah, they they just put a little bit too much. They basically made a giant oh pipe bomb. They blew god. up the truck. They blew oh up everything. Oh my god! There's which a- is crazy because the reason why they intervened, I'm sure for for public safety, was just in case those people that were making illegal fireworks blew up the neighborhood. So they came to town and blew up the neighborhood. Uh. Boy, do I wish I was in a morally superior position to comment <laughs> upon this irresponsible act. Oh, yeah. My pick is the latest episode of The Modern Road. <laughs> Be- uh, before, that- members, before members of the LAPD just- bomb squad, oh. hold on, before members of the LAPD bomb squad destroyed part of a South LA neighborhood by exploding a statue of legal fireworks last summer, they repeatedly ignored warnings from one of their most experienced technicians that the plan was not safe, according to a new report by the LAPD's inspector general. The member who raised concerned, identified only as Bob Technician C, told investigators of the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosives that he had flagged both the volume and weight of the fireworks to be placed in the LAPD's total, total containment vessel, or TCV, as excessive and too powerful for the vessel. So uh, uh, I, I guess the the written plan was we're going to blow it up inside of this very highly protected shell and nothing bad will go out. Yeah. But unfortunately encasing a bunch of explosives, bad idea. He he said his colleagues and supervisor told him he was wrong and that he should relax. And the fireworks are loaded in the vessel all at once. Anyway, the inspector general found they basically told me that they had already done the calculations. They're well under the explosive net explosive weight that the TCV could handle. Uh, They were later. He told a colleague, they were (laughs) He, later, he had a call. He told a colleague, measuring out a countercharge. I have a bad feeling. This is not good. This is too big. And again, was ignored. And they, and they wow. were right. They were right. The substantive explosion damaging 40 vehicles, 35 properties, and injuring 17 people and displacing dozens of more residents. Like they did it right next to two parked, parallel parked cars. <laughs> the well, ATF it, it, found. It, it, it looks like somebody is going to be promoted to Bob Technician A. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, not you kidding? Not the way government works. Uh, the ATF later found the bomb squad indeed badly miscalculated the explosive power of the fireworks placed into the containment vessel, overloading it, just as Technician C had said. Wow. So, I don't know what the outcome is, but it blew up. Detective A, Detective A told investigators he had heard Technician C's raised concerns once, but left it to his team to work through those concerns and thought they had been addressed before the detonation. Not our fault, Mr. Young. Who are you to judge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody got picks? Black cat fireworks. <laughs> the I got a pick. I do have a pick. What do you got for a pick? I'm halfway through the book, Where Is My Flying Car by J. Stores Hall. Um, 
half of the book appears to be about like a legitimate pursuit to uh, why don't we have flying cars? And he does bring up a good problem or, or, or a good uh, framework, which is right now, yes, we have very fast planes, but it involves a three vehicle problem, as he puts it, which is you exit your house, you get into your car, you drive to the airport, you go through security and all of that brouhaha, you sit down, you land, then you have to rent a car and then go from there. Um, and he breaks down, he keeps coming back to it and keep in mind, I'm only halfway through the book. I believe in the second half of the book, he eventually begins to rail on uh, various energy policies or whatever. I haven't gotten to that yet. But but the first half of, of the book seems to be dedicated exclusively to explaining how rad gyrocopters are. Uh, <laughs> basically explaining that um, uh, uh, what we tend to want is perfect VTOL, vertical takeoff or landing. Mm. Uh, and uh, instead, what a gyrocopter offers is a very short takeoff and pretty much a perfectly vertical landing. But... Uh, I don't want to say there's a conspiracy afoot, but uh, oh. uh, for for reasons he feels like uh, it it didn't go through. Um, I I don't know. I'm enjoying it a lot. You could tell that this is an enthusiast, somebody who really knows their stuff when it comes to aviation, somebody who is extrapolating their experience onto the wider world. Um, but but it's 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 a very interesting read that I feel like is slightly above my head. And I like it quite a bit. There's been, yeah, gyrocopters are fascinating because because the for the, the technical explanation is that they have that propeller on top, but nothing's powering it. It basically becomes a spinning wing, so it starts to move forward. That thing starts to spin more, and you get lift. And you remember in uh, the James Bond movie, um, you only live twice. They had one little Nelly, I think it was, or it was like the one he flew around in. The challenge is, as I did, a, it was reading into this, is that the ones they've been testing commercially, the experimental ones, really dangerous, really dangerous. Yeah, it, although, um, uh, and, and again, uh, keep in mind, I'm in the middle of reading this book, so I'm hearing somebody aggressively rail against both helicopters and airplanes. Uh, what he doesn't like about airplanes is that they require you to get so fast to get lift off that you need uh, an airport. And then when you land, it's you know very difficult to uh, suddenly stop very quickly. On, on helicopters, he feels like, like uh, just do you even understand the amount of torque that is happening uh, in, in a helicopter? Whereas his position seems to be that gyrocopters are, you could be up in the sky, and because the gyrocopter pretty much acts like a, a wing, you could suddenly lose power, and you'll just sort of drift down like a, one of those seed pods, basically. Like, that's, uh, it that's, won't be that's ideal. That's the theory. Yeah. That's the theory, but there have nonetheless been a number of accidents with gyrocopters because it's it's and and, and it's one thing that yes in ideal weather that's maybe what you do but in in a ninety mile an hour wind you know some high winds or whatever or something or something happens the thing about helicopters and airplanes is we've got you know a hundred years of almost both of those of data and then like the torque like yeah now we 
build hell like you've got bell helicopters that are 50 years old that are still flying because we just know what they do that we know their performance capabilities yeah the uh uh of course neither of those solve the uh three vehicle problem uh in at this point i'm i'm now doing my best to defend the book as i'm reading it so so this is not my position but as i understand the book would respond um uh, gyrocopters just haven't been given enough of a chance, seems to be the thesis. Um, uh, and then he gets into energy policy and about how everything uh, over the last 50 years has become about conservation and how that causes us to have a harder time developing a, a, a doorstep to doorstep, you know, flying car solution. Yeah, I think. I love flying stuff. I like this. I was talking to a buddy who was had some friends that moved to one of these communities where in Florida there was they in Florida there's a community and there's several of these like the Aero Club or whatever where it's literally a neighborhood built around an airport and everybody has these large garages where they can take their airplane out onto the runway and fly away, which I think is a good sign of what the rich are doing now. We'll all be doing one yeah. day. The, I got excited about gyrocopters, but then I was following, like, I remember watching, like, a YouTube channel and somebody was, you know, doing demos and stuff. And then, if I'm remembering correctly, the demo stopped because they died. <laughs> then I was like, oh, oh Jesus. Geez. Like, I mean, oh, I, I, like, I, I believe is- it. Like, like uh, uh, there's, uh, this book is very much written from the perspective of somebody who knows more than me and is definitely advocating for a position. However, I also still find it totally fascinating. There, there is, I did recently, I helped do a, uh, a reprint of a Arthur C. Clarke book called Profiles of the Future. And he was super, in 1960, super, super excited about hovercraft and how hovercraft are going to be the next wave of the future. They're going to be big, whatever. Arthur C. Clarke got himself a hovercraft to try in Sri Lanka, drove it across like a lake, promptly crashed it when he realized you couldn't steer it. You know, you couldn't really steer the thing or break it and promptly crashed into like a bunch of bushes, walked away from it and never drove another vehicle again. Uh, Jesus. That was his last shot. He's like, you got one more shot vehicles. He, cause uh, then he saw, Oh, this is why people aren't eager to hop into hovercraft because it sounds cool. And then you, you watch yeah. one and you're like, yeah, you don't, you can't break on this thing and breaking no. around other vehicles were kind of helpful. Yeah. Important. Yeah, yeah, man. So I, I'm willing to give it a chance. I think that, but the, the the VTOL thing is really is not. Oh yeah, you need a little more runway and to land and to land. You need a lot. You, you do need a bit of runway to land. And those things, like the the, the ability of helicopters for inclement weather, etc. It's why we use them for rescues. Or why we use them for a lot of a lot of the reasons we want to use a helicopter, not a plane. Gyrocopter is not going to fit, but. Could be there could be opportunity to see like building drones out of them. I think they are neat. They are really cool. If if, if and this is now Brian's speculation mode. And keep in mind, I'm not qualified to chime in on any of this, but it's not going to stop me. Um, the impression I get is that uh, most of this is framed in the kind of idyllic, li- largely rural 1920s, 30s, 40s, as all of this was being developed, when there was a lot of land and people did live very far from each other. And uh, if, you know, uh, somebody suddenly, you know, crash lands uh, here or there, it was unlikely to cause a, a, a massive disaster. But now in the increasingly urbanized 21st century, I 
I'm a little bit more sympathetic to maybe maybe not gyrocopters, but but it's it's a fascinating uh, breakdown, and and you end up learning a, a fair bit about uh, uh, you know aeroscience, uh, whatever that is. Aeronautics. Aeronautics. Yeah. Aeronautics. It, 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 Aeronautics science. It, yeah. We we will fixate on like we'll look at the plane and we we'll go ah plane hasn't changed in sixty years and it's like well look at the modern modern seven hundred class plane and you'll see you'll see the winglets you'll see little things like this see a lot of stuff and you bring a mechanic even from forty years ago and say hey repair this they're going to be like what what is this engine made of what are these materials what's going on yeah I got a pick. Uh, Go. I'll keep it short, but I'm back. I'm I'm still on the Mar on the Midnight Suns train. So good. Um, it's so good, Bryce. This uh, is okay. a gift you've brought. Uh, well, uh, you know the people at 2K made it. Um, uh, I I think this is a really good game. I've really in the thing I've enjoyed with it the past few weeks is that um I've kind of I'm I'm dug in enough where I can just kind of play it for a for a little bit and then to walk away and um. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of nice to to have a, a modern game where you can like play it for a minute and then walk away, and it'll auto save everything, so you're fine. You don't even worry about it. Um, but I'm enjoying it a lot. I think the tactics stuff is good. I even I, I bumped the difficulty up. I had it on easy, and then it kept reminding me, "Hey, you'll get more points." Hey, <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm enjoying Midnight Sun, and I think they're doing some trial sale thing going on. But uh, highly recommended. Midnight Sun. It's uh, I. I I saw this listed as a complaint in Midnight Suns in that it has a similar dynamic to um, uh, Mass Effect, uh, what normally is considered the romantic uh, relationship tree, only it's all about becoming friends with people. But I, I sort of dig the the lack of sexuality in anything, where it's like, yeah, no, I just want to be you know cool friends with you, Tony Stark. Uh, slash uh, Captain Marvel slash uh, Wolverine eventually when I get to him. Well, I guess that, that's a, that's, that opens up a larger conversation about superheroes and what, what that genre. Horniness. Yeah, honestly. Um, but I'm not yeah. hearing it, <laughs> but I, I, I dig it. And uh, uh, it keeps, I keep being surprised. I'm like, Oh, there's, there's a little more for me to, to dig in on. I kept worrying like, Oh, is this just going to be the same thing over? But I think it's pretty good. Any other picks? Uh, my pick is the Modern Rogue. Brian, what's the latest Modern Rogue episode about? Nobody knows. It's a uh, controversy. Oh, no, wait. It's about us melting a car and having the fire department show up. Uh, it's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. How so, but... much thermite? 80 pounds of thermite. I mean, sorry, did you say 18? 80 pounds you of said thermite. You one, said eight, eight pounds. Eight zero. Uh, it's it was uh oh oh my god uh, this, and this is, is one you of those posing like, for the like, selfie there, there was part of me that thought uh we should just bury this but uh you know what uh uh we done goofed and we owned it and we spoke to the authorities and this is the authentic historical document of us owning the fact that we shouldn't have done that don't do that don't do it. Watch it. Watch us do it, and don't do it. Correct. Uh, also, lots of facts on things to do uh, that you should do. And we have another video on Thermite coming out uh, probably by the time you hear this. So if you like Thermite, the Modern Rogue channels are out. Oh, oh. I am curious to know, when you bought 80 pounds of Thermite and an old car, and you decided, and I see a, a, a blowtorch there, 
what was your expectation of what would happen? Uh, funny you should ask that because that's literally how the video begins. It begins with the uh, flashing lights of emergency services and me quoting Bonnie saying, and you thought this was a good idea? And me responding saying, well, I don't think anybody thought it was a good idea. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in our defense, our th uh, my thinking, I'll only speak for myself, my thinking at the time was, uh, we, we've done, uh, what, uh, three, four, five bits with thermite? Uh, three or four. Um, I, I've been shocked at how ineffective it's been. Um, it it's was well-contained because it's making a huge iron ingot during this chemical process, so it doesn't go everywhere. Correct. Like, like we used it yeah. to cook a steak. We used it to—we tried to get into a, 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 a safe with it, but it was not very effective at that. Mm -hmm. uh, we used it uh, hoping to melt— like seven laptops, and it was not very good at that. So uh, my entire history with thermite over the last 10 years has been largely, it's not nearly as good as you would hope it would be. Uh, so in my mind, uh, putting it on the hood of a car would have largely the same results as putting it over a bunch of laptops that were on a desk, which was very much less than you would expect. However, it turns out that once thermite eats through the hood of a car roof there's <laughs> there's lots of things inside rubber hosings gaskets yeah, yeah all there's kinds lots of things. of things that can't wait to get burned up inside yeah. and yeah. and that was the lesson that i learned yeah i have seen car fires i've never seen a laptop fire brian uh, uh, uh well you will if you watch this episode of the modern room <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah i i have uh yeah laptop car fires i see all the time at least in florida it's for some reason no uh now, now i'm 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 just wrapped up in trying to figure out how to make things right uh there's a fire department less than a mile away from us and i'm just like i, I i'm thinking to myself who wants to learn to eat fire? Who who, who wants a lot of public safety messages made on their Brian, behalf? Have you thought about maybe pizza and cookies? <laughs> who wants pizza My first and impulse. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the fears to the fire department that I'm some maniac that doesn't know what I'm doing by offering to teach them how to inhale <laughs> toxic fumes and breathe fire. That'll show them that I'm a good spirited citizen. Tube splainer. Tube splainer. Let, let me get a pen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could I should do a fire walk in a fire prof suit and walk in the door and shake yeah. every one of their hands. I'm definitely writing that one down. Uh juggling uh, fire. I could learn. Andrew, you got a pick for us? Uh yeah, I watched this series on Amazon Prime and I dug it. It's quirky. It's sometimes a very quirky, but I really enjoyed it all the way through. And that is The English, starring Emily Blunt and her co-star in this, who I had not seen any before, any, in anything before, and he was great. I interview any of you know about this story? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It looks like this is a Western? Yeah, so Chosk Spencer. So basically, Emily Blunt plays a woman coming from England. She's an aristocrat, and she is going to the Wild West to get some revenge. And why she wants revenge and who she wants revenge on is revealed as this. And she partners up with uh, Chas Spencer, who's a Native American who was actually in the army as a scout. Sergeant Eli Whip is his character. And he's a very interesting person with some complex backstory of his own. And it's been, I enjoyed it. It's a very quirky kind of thing of just, just 
just a neat sort of story to watch from a different point of view about that. So, wow, very cool. Uh, and when and, is- and the, the latest in badass Emily Blunt, like that is that is a a whole career for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it and I'd say what I like about it is that it it shows the complexities and the nastiness and everything across you know the whole spectrum there. How does I it, thought it was a pretty just a pretty interesting take. How does it compare to like uh the what is it the Yellowstone verse the 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 Taylor Sheridan stuff. Yellowstone verse in its own Taylor Sheridan way is trying to be more realistic. This is, this is a somewhere between this and Django unchained. Okay. 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 A little bit absurd at times. Adventure in the wild west. Uh, yeah. Part this, this averses could feel like a vignette in the Django verse to me. Yeah. Not quite as over top, but it is, it is, it is pretty. Nice. Last week, did you guys happen to talk about Kunk on Earth? We didn't do a show last week. No. Oh. Well, that explains it. Kunk on Earth is good. Yeah. Uh, okay. It is great. Oh, maybe maybe I did pick that. Yeah, uh, that's a Netflix comedy show. Uh, yep. Fantastic. What is any, it? Any thoughts about it, Brian? Or? Oh, no, no, no. If I'm going to double tap, uh, uh, Kunk on Earth is, 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 is so, so good. It's a friendlier version of some of the motifs that we've seen in, you know, your Sasha Baron Conan, uh, Cohen stuff, your Borats, what have you. Only very clearly all of the academics are in on it, and they're given one directive, which is do not break, and some of them obey it better than others. Uh, there's also a one note joke that, uh, I've enjoyed very much. Uh, and, uh, my family has been the recipient of it, uh, uh, quite a bit. It's wonderful. I've watched the whole thing twice. It's great. That's very funny. Kunk on earth. C-U-N-K. Is that it? I think so. Mm. Gentlemen. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.